I'm basically agreeing with you, but slowly. Well, that's kind of what we do. Everybody, we're sorkin' it in. Watching the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron Sorkin might choose about Will and Mackenzie making the news. You're sorkin' in it. What a day. What a day. It's sorkin' in it. And who better to join us than the Lex Friedman? Hi, Lex. Hi. I'm so glad you uh, allowed me on this episode. Fired up. Wonderful. I am too. I'm glad I allowed you too. Uh, but I don't think that that's just me. We're we're co-captains here. Oh, I love that. But today we're covering um, episode five of season two of the newsroom, titled "Newsnight with Will McAvoy." Kind of a strange title. I have many questions about the episode title. Uh, if you're trying to remember which episode that was, a lot happens, as is the case in pretty much every newsroom episode. But against the backdrop of both uh, fighting in Syria and the Trayvon Martin story and the uh, the Rutgers suicide story um, with the uh, the webcam showing uh, a, a roommate's trysts, uh, uh, all of that coupled with... Um, uh, tawdry photos of Sloan getting released, or naked photos of Sloan getting released. Um, plus, you know, Jim and Maggie, and uh, Will's dad dying, and Charlie finally getting convinced about Genoa. There's a lot going on. Uh, so, of course, we call the episode Newsnight with Will McAvoy. Sometimes, Brian, I cheat. Yeah. Sometimes I cheat, and I read the IMDb trivia as I'm uh. starting the episode. In this case, I didn't. I actually watched this episode using a, at least at the time of this recording, a somewhat new feature on the Peloton, where you can you know, watch Max stuff or whatever oh, yeah. on the Peloton screen. And so I watched the episode while Peloton. I still took all my notes. Um, I didn't do a crazy ride. Um, but I was like, I'm not going to look at IMDb. I'm going to wait. And as, as as the episode's going, I'm like, hey, this whole episode is taking place during one episode of, of mm-hmm. Newsnight. This is like, this is almost a real-time episode, kind of. And then I looked up the trivia afterwards, and indeed, that's <laughs> what they said there, too. I mean... It wasn't a huge uh, observation for me to make, but it was. that's not typically how these episodes have gone. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually we only get like five or ten minutes of an episode. And I think we even like kind of critiqued a little bit that sometimes we get the intro and then like ten seconds later in the show that we're watching is like, and that's it. Uh, kind of feel like the, the newscast itself is barely a framing device for all the other stories they're telling but in this case it's not really that this was almost a bottle episode in that everything took place in their core sets and uh i i found that i really enjoyed will being stuck like will being stuck to his Mm -hmm. chair uh as a it wasn't a plot driving device but like he is in some ways forced to be more grounded or real uh when he's either you know in, on Newsnight's camera or then like he knows that the control room can probably hear what he's saying or whatever there's a lot of eyes on him at all times i don't know. I, I like that aspect yeah i liked it too and i think i just generally like the mechanics of the newscast too uh we get some of our the other bit players like the people in the control room a little bit of that and, yeah and uh yeah just all the all the guts of putting on the show like it's a little bit of kind of what attracted me to this show in the first place too the in the opening moments Will gets a call on his BlackBerry, and the caller ID pops up, Dad. In some ways, that's a helpful plot device for us, but I was curious. How do you put family members into your phone? Um, like, my dad is in my phone with his first and last name. <laughs> is in my phone. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> as is my mom. I'm going to check right now. Uh, I know my mom. My kids all refer to my mom as Mimi, so she's Mimi in my phone. Oh, interesting. 
This is something I've only recently started doing. Um, you used to not save contacts in your phone? Well, yeah, usually you just like push, punch in the numbers with the flip phone, right? Uh, let's see. Where I should be able to find this a little bit faster. Okay. My dad is one of my favorites, and he is just his first and last name. Yeah. That's true. So I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. I just, I felt hard pressed to believe that Will would put somebody into his Blackberry as dad, given what we learned about how estranged that relationship is in this episode. Good point. I, I didn't really mind it because it helped the plot like if it just said you know bob mcavoy or whatever you wouldn't necessarily know who it was but it it took me out for a second whatever but then we cut right away to a scene that boy did i hate from the start uh with reese yelling at sloan with charlie there uh well, the only person who is good in this scene is charlie i mean maybe they all do fine performances but the only the only character who i like in this scene is charlie um who's basically telling reese to stop yelling at sloan <laughs> yeah yeah, like I think that sl- that scene opens with Reese saying, "Look, I'm not going to fire you," you know, and he's all about the power positions that Reese and uh, I mean, he's runs the company. Okay, I guess he can he can be in that situation where maybe he's trying to console her or something, saying like, "Look, uh, before we get started, you're not fired, but we do need to solve this problem." Fine, everything else, he's awful, and um, Charlie, uh, despite his tendency to be a little sexist calling her money skirt and stuff Mm -hmm. um really nice here and like even saying it's not it's not bad that she took the photos it's just and that it's revenge porn and stuff like putting the blame where it needs to be put that's really good yeah some weird technology references in this one like the site is called revenge porn (laughs) um i think that sorkin does a lot of disservice to sloan in this episode um she is first lying about the photos, which I understand that instinct for a character, but I think it weakens her as a character. Um, yeah, because then she owns it, and like he's—it's not that long ago this episode airs. I wanted like the position of strength is yeah, those are my photos, and my privacy has been violated, and like that's it. That's the end of the story. Um, he wants to know: Are there more photos? It's none of his business. Like there's right, and I don't know. So, I, but I, I didn't like how she acted obviously i don't like how uh reese is acting but chart like you said charlie is not sexist in this one he's ready to defend her and he's he's ready to shift too because he's like they're not her like she says not and then (laughs) doesn't matter (laughs) and i I like that part i will say one of the things i liked about um this particular plot line is the crutch could have been that it wasn't her or the the crutch could have even been that like because of who owned the camera or who bought the camera, like we can go after this guy and that we never do. We never go to this um, kind of escape hatch of some other plot device that's going to just get us out of this problem. Like we kind of have to stew in it a little bit um, and work through it. Like the way that the, the way that is more realistic that normal humans have to work through this kind of thing. And that, that's something I appreciate because we could always just have some like, lawyer swoop in and then like take this guy down or something but we don't we don't do that and that seems like something sorkin might try to do fair um i did note when we when we cut back to news night they were really luxuriating in some stories that i didn't feel very news night 2.0ish to me or at least a way to keep viewers like they were spending a really long time on some stories uh, and th- at least in 2023 that didn't feel realistic to me that they would spend so long on a half hour i don't know it's an hour or a half hour show whichever it is the, the show within the show like it just felt like they were taking their sweet time with some stuff um i i liked you know i, I like when they 
part of what I think Sorkin likes about writing backstage at TV show stuff is one, how talented everybody is, how many people are involved. And then two, like at least in his shows, people are talking and having their private conversations until there's one nanosecond left to go. And so like, I liked like, here's Will placing the call to the hospital and dealing with the bureaucracy of getting through the hospital to figure out what's happening with his dad and doing that all during a 2.5 minute commercial break. Like I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It was around this point in the episode though, that I started to get stressed out. Like, what about last week's episode? Because last week's episode ended with Marsha Gay Harden yelling, fuck, as the lawyer, Rebecca Halliday. Yeah. And I thought that there was going to be some continuation of that. And I guess there wasn't. So, but that, this, this is where I noted it. I looked up the difference in time that happened between these two episodes, like in, in Newsnight or in, in Newsroom World. Yeah. It's like almost, it's like four or five months. So. Ah, good call. Her hair's changed and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Her, yeah. Her hair's back. Um. Which I guess her hair grows really fast. Uh, but I got a little confused about this because of the timing of how things were playing out. Because they were taking a bunch of statements. I guess it takes a long time for court proceedings to play out, as we're seeing in uh, you know 2023 world. But the court proceedings were happening because of some wrongful termination that happened in the past, right? Yeah. You know, like that was the whole reason they're taking these depositions. But they're still following the Genoa tip. So did the wrongful termination, was it not in any way related to the Genoa tip? tip that's where i'm getting confused and that's where i was hoping today lex you could explain this to me i think when we're seeing the interviews the law interview stuff that's normal hair maggie right that's not short hair maggie Mm -hmm. so those are all from the future maggie had her short hair when she was getting interviewed but she that could be yeah okay well let's pull up the episode that's I'm, the other thing like i'm old I don't sorkin plays with time yeah. like but you're right that is could be because i believe that what we're going to eventually see and i don't know this but i think that what we're going to see is that they fire that character who everybody hates who you're supposed to hate dantana dantana yeah over this and he's suing so you're right if they're still pursuing the story they can't have fired him yet for it <laughs> agreed yeah um, and we'll get to the whole thing about the what happened to the phone uh yeah. recording and stuff uh and how that's I guess it's going to relate somehow to Jerry. So I, I have all Terry. kinds of notes over the next moments. There's a lot of stuff okay. happening in this episode. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm happy to, to if you find the answer on whether Maggie is short <laughs> um, uh, Neil's warning him about this restaurant-related tweet, which was, a, a to me, a very dumb plot line that Sorkin thought had a lot of importance by the end. But we'll oh, get yeah. To that. This was awful. There's the very slow download happening of, uh, I guess, George Floyd 911 call. My favorite moment that happened. Uh, Trayvon Martin. Oh, my gosh. But, you're yeah. right. Trayvon Martin, I won't call. Um, Don hated being caught on camera. <laughs> <That laughs> I was, liked that. Uh, I, uh, I I like that, too. But they kick off a plot line. That's Don's plot line. There's a lot of plot lines in this episode. Uh, uh, Don's plot line of being an accidental source. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a new story. And that, that plays a lot of importance, I guess, in Sloan's storyline as the episode progresses. But I thought that, that at least the start of that, I was like, this feels this feels old and boring to me. Mm-hmm. That Don accidentally said something that's now being... Now, it turns out that it was a different story because he didn't even say... He had no scoop. <laughs> he made a, a, a jokey comment that people chose to report as news. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I was like, oh my God, we're treading these waters again where somebody doesn't like how they're being attributed. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got Sloan and Don's starting to spend time. They'll have a lot of scenes together in this episode. I liked the next scene, though, of of Maggie and Jim talking about Hallie. I liked, I liked Maggie realizing mm-hmm. how much Hallie knew of Maggie and wondering about that. Uh, she yep. knows who I yep. am. And Jim says, why wouldn't she? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Uh, it was kind of nice to have a, a brief mention of Hallie just because she was such a interesting and fun character. Uh, Mally, Maggie's just general resentment of 
uh, Hallie's writing was kind of entertaining too. I agree. She's kind of snobby about it, and I enjoyed that. Um, and I, I think we're supposed to infer that Jim and Hallie are together, like that they're still remotely dating. That was my take. Oh, on interesting. It. Okay. Okay. Because he's he's defending her. He's talking about her. We've seen them hook up, and I think now they're. To me, my feeling was they are in a long distance relationship. Hmm. Okay. That that would be a nice, interesting. That that has been going on for months now, yeah, right? That was my vibe on. Okay, so but you didn't see that. So I, I could be wrong, but that was that's what I took away. No, um, Maggie is also like super insecure about her intelligence or something. She's taking some uh, IQ, IQ quiz. Test, yeah. That was dumb. It was. Done, I, I thought it was meant to show that she's like trying to figure out if her brain's still there since she is still reeling. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I really liked a little moment with Neil and Will. So there were a lot of things in this episode where it was like, you're seeing the same scene again and again, but in, you know, not the exact same moment, but like here's the same people in the same stakes, but later. So Neil going back to Will and Neil saying, I'm not supposed to talk to you about this. And Will says, she doesn't get to make that decision for me. So tell me quick before she comes back in here. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I appreciate that he's right. And I, I liked when they have that, when Neil's like, who do I work for? I don't get paid any extra when this happens and it happens all the time. And it's always me. And, they each say you work for me, and then they repeat it, and she says you work for him while he says you work for me. And I like that. Like, he's not going to change and say you work for her. He's saying, no, you work for me at the end of the day. It's his name on the show. Uh, but I, I like that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is a the, – the the story that Neil's ref, referring to is kind of dumb. The interactions yes. with Neil and having him in the show are, are great. I'm yes. enjoying him. Yes. Neil is probably my second favorite character after Charlie. Um. Uh, that we have Mackenzie being like unredeemably mean, by which I mean she never sought redemption. Yeah, unredeemably mean to Neil. Um, I hate you, and I'm, I think she's saying like I'm rooting for your failure tonight. I wrote that. I root. I root for your failure, and I wrote, "Ugh, this is dumb." I don't. I really do root for your failure. Yeah. This is supposed to be. I feel like we're supposed to kind of like this feature of Mackenzie that she gets a little stuck in her head and, and ends up being kind of snipey. I don't think it's working for uh, Sorkin here. And I'm going to blame Sorkin, not uh, Emily Mortimer, because Emily Mortimer is a delight. I agree with you on all of that. Um, but then we we get a, a nice scene now with a mystery character whose name I didn't even catch. But uh, Charlie is sitting down with somebody from the, I guess, he who's supposed to be Navy Press. But, right. but Charlie says, you're a spook. Uh, meaning a spy. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. in the press. And I really liked that we didn't know what was happening in that scene. We didn't know what the deal was. And yeah. maybe you continue to not know entirely what the deal was. I can't figure out which character that guy was, though. <laughs> first of all, I like that, you know, first, Will assumes, nope, Charlie assumes that the guy is there to discourage them from reporting on some new data center that they're mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have yottabytes of data. And Charlie has this lovely run. <laughs> I didn't know what yottabytes were. And so they tell me it could be each yottabyte can hold a quintillion pages of text and then i didn't know what a quintillion was and i found out it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> i uh i really enjoyed all of that i enjoyed their dynamic i enjoyed that this guy clearly knew all about charlie's kids who i don't even know if we knew about before right uh, um, i like that they're making top gun jokes yeah that was nice but then we realized they're not there to talk about a server center they're there to talk about Dantana and what he's investigating on the genoa tip and, and he's been doing it for six months now. That gets revealed. Jim's already back, so we're still paying J- Dantana just to 
be on the hunt just to work on this that's a great point too he could be back in washington like producing a show still but maybe no, he's he just looking back for in washington while still researching this because we don't see him good point but i i think we don't yet know what actually is going on because at some point skipping ahead charlie's going to end with a piece of paper mm-hmm. <laughs> that to him reveals that genoa really did happen and the way the spook is talking he's implying like wouldn't you drop nerve gas if you knew what we knew was going to happen and charlie's like yeah are you saying that that did happen and so is the guy lying to is the guy playing him is it to discredit Newsnight? is it to screw with acn like is this a Mm -hmm. double cross black ops because like we know that later it turns out that genoa is false so i don't know what's happening in the scene and that annoys me (laughs) i'm tired of not knowing yeah i did enjoy the way that the scene kind of the mechanics of it and their the charisma between the two of them um but the one thing i did enjoy about this entire episode that we watched is that there was so little talk of the genoative because i was i'm happy that we're getting closer through this season just to get through this freaking plot line um but yeah it's it seems a lot more just um the gears churning without really uh making any progress Okay, so we have a piece of paper now. Great. Yeah. It still doesn't like actually tell us anything. They're going to report it. They're going to be wrong, so they're going to have to retract it. Maybe somebody's going yeah. Dantana's going to get fired, and then we'll see what happens. And he's going to sue the, the network. Okay. We we get close to some Sorkinisms now. Ooh. One is Sloan telling a joke. Sorkin's characters tell weird jokes at weird times, and they don't do so very well, and they think the jokes are much funnier than they are. Hers is about the frog being slimy, I guess. I don't know. Um, I get mad at Don and Sloan because Don offers and Sloan accepts that she'd be scrapped from tonight's show. Mm. And I was like, no, just go on TV. Like I, I get it easier for me as a mm-hmm. person yeah. watching and a man, but like, that's what I wanted her to do. Uh, I did like her thing of where she's like, no, I don't have rage. I'd give anything to feel rage. Uh, when, how long does mm-hmm. it take for my humiliation to turn to rage? Like I like that. But I didn't like this exchange where she says, I want to die. I know. And I think I, I didn't like it in a meta sense. She says, I want to die. And, mm. and Don says, I know. I think, and maybe reading way too much of it, I felt that Sorkin was really proud of himself for that exchange. Like, he read to me, like, Sorkin's <laughs> like, yeah. He's he's not trying to comfort her. He's not trying to say, don't do that, don't say that. He just says, I know that's how you feel. Uh, but I didn't like it. I thought that's not what a friend says. <laughs> I want to die, I know. I know it can't be where that conversation ends. I'd like to see the next sentence. Sure. What are the next 10 words? I liked Don a lot uh, around here. I think he's being a genuine friend. Um, and he's, sometimes you just got to sit with someone who's going through something, something terrible and there's very little you can do to fix it. And you really, really probably shouldn't. (laughs) Um, you just need to be nice and not let someone feel lonely. And she's feeling like really isolated right now. Uh, and so that exchange of, I want to die. I know like on one hand, he doesn't know and he'll never know. Fair. So that sucks. And you shouldn't say that. Um, saying I know does help her feel like your feelings right now are valid and you shouldn't, and you shouldn't feel that you're having the wrong feeling. And that's important for someone who's going through something shitty. And so I appreciate it, but it also is written by a male. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, like I, you could say like, I get it or like, I hear you, uh, or yes, this totally sucks. Like, and and I'm not going anywhere. Like those are the kinds of things you can say, and then just let them stew in it and and 
but not feel alone. And maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of want him to say, I know, and someday you won't, or and eventually mm-hmm. you won't, mm-hmm. or like, it'll, that will change. It'll, like, it gets better. Here's what I wanted to hear. And that right. comes up later in the show. Um, <laughs> so we find out that Maggie's been drinking a lot because Jim says he, she should switch to vodka because he can't smell vodka, which is also terrible man advice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're going to keep drinking really heavily and come to work in the clothes you wore last night, choose different vodka so we can't smell it as much. Right. Uh, but I really like – Gary gets almost no lines in this show ever. Mm-hmm. But I really like the exchange that Jim has with Gary where Jim's like, how long did it take you to get over uh, Uganda? And Gary doesn't even give him an answer to that question. He simply says, I wasn't holding the kid. And I like yeah. that because Maggie was holding that the was kid really and good. got shot and dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then – we were back in the actual newsroom uh, the, or the news night set and Will really wants to respond to this person who's been tweeting about being uh, rudely treated by him at a restaurant and Mackenzie's like, what was the third tweet? What's the tweet that pushed you over the edge? And very sorkiny to me, he says, the third tweet was, you just lost a viewer, which reminded me a whole lot, Brian, from our season one of this podcast when Sidney Allen Wade uh, Annette Benning yes, tells the I know we were going to go here. You just lost my vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that really moves him. So Sorkin's heroic men crave fandom. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they want your vote or your eyeballs on their TV show. And that's the thing. Yeah. Well, and that's... felt very Sorkin. If you're going to be rude to someone and uh, you're going to only regret it because the one thing that they could offer you, <laughs> they've taken away... Uh, that that's not a good look for Will. Like I don't know if he's supposed to be noble and be like, oh no, it means I'm not being a, a, as good of a newscaster. No, it just means you're you're rude to someone, <laughs> and you shouldn't have, because the, people are human beings around there around you. The way that he recounts the story, he wasn't rude. Uh, right. So I don't know. N- none of us were there uh, in this fictional universe. <laughs> so uh, on on that on that hand, we don't even know if he was rude at all. Uh, but. The, the fact that he could have potentially offended someone and then it ends up being for only regretted because of that. It makes Will not seem like as much of a human being there. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we're supposed to, this is a kind of a classic thing where he's getting all wrapped up in his head because of this stuff going around his, with his dad. And maybe he wouldn't be quite so fixated on the, the tweet. Uh, I, I'm not quite connecting those dots there, but like, I'm with you. This is all we have to work with on, on Will today. So we go back again now to, to Don and Sloan. And this was the one downside of doing this on the Peloton is that I wasn't comfortable testing out the rewind button. Ah. But did we did we find out in this moment that do Don and Sloan acknowledge that they've been dating for eight weeks? Is that what he says? No. Like does Don say, Don say something about you've been dating for eight weeks? I don't know if he was talking about the guy who shared these pictures or if he was talking about them. And I couldn't quite follow what had happened. It was that Sloan had been dating this person for eight weeks, uh, and Don didn't even know that she was in a relationship. Got it. Okay. Um, so then I, I started being pretty sure that Will's dad died around this time. Yeah. When Mackenzie, once again, again, in another kind of repeated scene, like, did you call him? Yes, I did. Um, but then he doesn't say anything more, and she doesn't ask anything more. And like, oh, the dad has died. <laughs> um, 
then we were back to Don and Sloan again in my favorite scene, maybe of the episode, but certainly my favorite Don and Sloan moment when he's explaining what this tip or what, what this reason is that Don's been making frantic phone calls all day. <laughs> and he's calling some sleazy mm-hmm. news organization because he said, are there any skeletons in this, you know, potential Obama administration nominee's closet? Like, did he ever give a talk at the righteous daughters of jihadi excellence <laughs> or something? And they're reporting that once he did such a thing and Sloan's like, stop being an idiot and look up the staff of this thing. Don't just call the one person you spoke to. And he reaches the editor whose name is Munch. <laughs> I choose to believe that it was the same character of Munch that Richard Belzer has played on many, many TV shows and films. <laughs> um, Sloan, I, I like the, all of everything about it. Sloan says, um, he tells Sloan, don't laugh. And she's like, yeah, I'll try since I've been laughing so much over the past eight hours or whatever. Then as soon as he says, is this Munch? <laughs> Sloan's laughing. Um <laughs> And then he's yelling at Munch, right? Like, whatever this news organization, alleged news organization, I guess that term loosely is doing, he's like, oh, we found multiple sources for this Which thing. actually exists, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. It, I, I discovered that um, today. And, uh, yeah, they're, every bit is, like, right-wing, uh, kooky, you know, birtherism kind of play, uh, places you would expect. But Sorkin didn't mind throwing them under the bus because uh, that's where they live. Yeah, fair. And the, um, I don't know, it's, to me, there was just something very... Um, funny about that scene but then you know he, he's saying like of course I made it up like it's not a real thing so you can't possibly report on it and then she just ends the call she's like stop yelling at him and now something has changed and I didn't like that that's the only part I didn't like, like mm. from, from him yelling at Munch now Sloan knows what she needs or now Sloan has some level of resolution right. I was like okay that seemed weird to me yeah because later uh, we'll, we'll get to what happens with them later but like there was a moment where I was like did, did, did I miss an extra interaction where she all of a sudden feels like empowered to go do something? Cause uh, this phone call couldn't have been it. So, yeah. So we have Sorkin and his love of acapella groups because Charlie talks about his, uh, but now, now Charlie's buying into Genoa. He's got that paper. Like I said to you before, I don't know if the spook intentionally misled him or what. Um, we have the Maggie editing fiasco. Oh yeah. Which I bought that, that seemingly was based on a true story of a newsroom that did exactly that, where mm-hmm. she edited out the question from the the nine one one operator. Did you see the person? Is he you know white, black, Hispanic? And the caller says he was. Uh, he looks black. He looked black. Yeah. Um, I thought I, I I liked the drama of that. And I liked that they instantly wanted to get it right. So their their solution is they're going to play the whole tape. Mm-hmm. But we have ignored one plot line entirely. That I kind of enjoyed, although I thought it was telegraphed instantly what was happening, Mm -hmm. where there's this bomb in Syria, and we get a call from somebody at a a hotel in New York whose husband is trapped under the rubble in Syria. Uh, And right away, early on in the call, the guy says, "I'm, I'm okay, thank God. And Jim responds oddly to that. Then he tells Mackenzie the guy said that. But like they could say right away. Hey, we're f- suspicious that this is really happening. And then they unblock a phone number and yeah. do the work and say, hey, we know you're lying. And now the police are coming to your door because we know that you are not really doing that. I'm not, I don't know if it's a crime to lie to a news organization. I don't know exactly what crime has been committed here that they would send the police. Yeah. Uh, but I did enjoy the guy hanging up on him saying, Baba Booey, motherfuckers. I like that. That to me was very funny. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, I don't know why Mackenzie had to be the one to like uh... – take him down a notch or something like it seemed like the moment jim realized what was going on like i suppose they could have done a little bit the little bit of legwork uh or they could have said like yeah this sounds pretty fake we're just gonna hang up um it it beggared belief lex 
Yes, it did. Play the theme song. <laughs> I can believe. But why is it happening if, like, the story just happened? Yeah. And now two people are like, hey, let's screw around with Newsnight. Like, wh- why? I don't know. It seemed- I don't know. Like, I did wonder if, like, is this politically motivated or if they can uh, get more aid workers on the scene and then, like, are they related to some other person who's going to, like, do another bomb or something? Like, I-, I kept getting in my head of, like, other ways that, like... Cascaded, but no, it's just a couple of people in their apartment messing with the network. Like, and I was wondering, like, is it is it more part of a concerted effort to discredit ACN in some way, right, to get them to report on sure. something that's wrong? But I, I don't know. May, I, I, you know, honestly, if it comes back, if it if it rears its head again in the story, I'll be impressed. Like that makes sense to me. But if it's just a one off, dumb. <laughs> then we get. I'm guessing. I would like to believe that you, Brian, and our listeners, who know me and know my feelings on this show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. know. Before this episode even began, this podcast episode began, what made me maddest in this episode? Because it's the thing that happened next. We have Sloane's, I guess, getting over her humiliation. She says, I've entered the rage phase. And the way she gets to the rage phase is going to her ex's place of business. And they're working there very late. And committing assault, documenting it on camera, and leaving. Yeah. I hated it. I do not believe this is how people act. No. In front of a room full of people, a famous person knees him in the crotch. I'm okay with the knee in the crotch, honestly. Like, it's not my favorite, but it, like that. But then punches him in the face, like knocking him down and bloodies him. Like, I'm torn on exactly how it's Like, I understand that instinct. I don't. I was going to say, I, don't, I do fault over doing it. You don't commit a, she, she has had a crime committed against her, I think. Mm-hmm. They were trying to imply that maybe no crime had been committed. Mm, Clearly, no, a crime that is. Committed. Yeah, that's not okay. Um, you, you, don't, you don't crime the crime. I don't know. I, I hate it. Like, I don't believe this is how people behave. No. I think the right thing to do is to, what do I know? What do I know about the right thing to do? The more appropriate thing to do, if she's going to show up at the place of business, okay, that's cool. Like, call him out in front of his coworkers, in front of his boss, in front of his friends, and say, so let's talk, let's all have a talk about revenge porn. You know, like, how do you feel about that? Like, and, and, because Don even mentioned like, oh, he's just laughing with his friends or something right now. Like, let's let's call him out and like let's shame him. Sure, shame him like in 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 front of his friends. But like to create further violent acts, to create even taking the photo like almost makes it seem like oh now she has something on him like that she oh, what is she gonna do post that publicly? Okay, so then all of a sudden it's make it's kind of. It's, it cheapens the awfulness of the acts that he made. And so I, I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. No. It, I booed. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. I, I, so I didn't like that. Um, and then I, I appreciated Jim confronting Maggie about her screwing up this transcript. I did not in any way appreciate Maggie trying to turn it around on Jim. Well, you gave up that nope. exclusive with Romney. I don't want to be lecture, but he's your boss, and it's not the same thing. And I think that we're supposed to not support Maggie in this moment because it's like she screwed it up. It also to, it doesn't really matter, but it looked to me like in that folder with the incredibly slow downloading audio file mm-hmm. that there was also a PDF of the transcript of the call that the police station had provided. Oh, really? <laughs> <So> I was like, <laughs> maybe you could have looked at that while mm-hmm. you were editing it, you weirdo. <laughs> like, you could have looked at that ahead of time and known what you wanted to cut, but whatever. Um, I get trying to do something really fast on a computer 100%. that isn't going uh, cooperating and then, like, blowing something uh, and not reading the PDF at the same time. Like, yeah. I, I, all the shortcuts are getting taken at that point. 
and the implication that like was her being drunk at work did that contribute to it at all i mean that that does kind of imply that there might be something else some other shoe to drop there however i didn't feel really she was drunk today it felt to me like she had been drunk before or that, that you could smell alcohol on her but it didn't feel like she was drunk then but yes i it, certainly i think we're concerned about her work product <laughs> for sure yeah I'm with you. right and then we had uh we go back to will mm-hmm. and he tells mac well no he died uh, when I called before, my sister answered and told me he died. And it's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I appreciated the face acting that uh, Emily Mortimer does there because she feels a lot of emotions. And she it's part of what she loves about Will, I think, was my takeaway, that he just wants to go on and be stoic. She she also wants to fix him, <laughs> like yeah. the Coldplay yeah. song says. Um, but then, how do you feel about the, the, the button on this episode there, Brian? I don't... Oh, the... Well, it's I guess it's just us now. Yeah. And... He's silent for so long, like which again I do not believe Too would long. happen. Mm-mm. And then he says, "Well, I guess it's just us now." Is this the same line? So I catch me on this, Lex. When he is doing his first nine eleven news coverage, and it cuts to him right after he had Charlie gives him a little pep talk. Does he say the same thing? Does he say, "Well, I guess it's just us now"? I didn't think so. It felt to me like it it did feel to me sort of like a reference, but I didn't – I don't have that in my notes from that other episode. Yeah, I don't know either. We we can have our uh, – Our crack team of listeners will tell us. Fact checkers will check it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I felt like that was supposed to remind me of that, but it didn't uh, work if that was what it was supposed to do as far as like give me the same emotional punch. Uh, I felt really uncomfortable waiting for something to happen. Um, and then I'm, and then I realized I'm reading a little bit into like the line, I guess it's just us now. Does that mean like now that his dad's not watching, it's just the two of us and I can be more free as a human being or something, but I don't, I don't know that like the next episode of, uh, newsroom is really going to deliver on that for me. I saw some analysis that was implying that he's saying it to two things. One, it's just him and the the audience Mm. (laughs) because he's realizing how much. Uh, he relies on the audience. There was another where, like, at first I was interpreting it as, it, it was reminding me of when he said to Mackenzie early in the episode, can you please, you know, take me out of the control room? I don't want to be, I don't want to have this conversation about my dad in front of everybody. So for a moment, right. it was just him and Mackenzie's ear, I guess. I was like, he's trying to reference that. Uh, but I, this was one where it felt like, it felt like when a kid uses a big word in an essay to try to make the essay sound smarter. Like it felt like, again, that Aaron thought that this was like a powerful way to end it. It did not work for me. It didn't. It, it did beggar belief, Brian. It felt like he would not say this on his national news program. That he wouldn't have waited that long. And then, like, what is he even talking about? Like, uh, I think there are other ways to show grief. And I think that people are professionals. And if he can't handle his grief at that moment, he's allowed to bow out of the news broadcast early. Uh, but like, I don't know. It just it didn't feel right. It felt. It felt not even like too. TV-ish. It just felt like too fictional. Yeah. Yeah. Like he... The viewers at home watching Newsnight are not going to understand this at all. Yeah. Yeah. What? Because he's it's in the middle of... I, could, I suppose you could like start an episode of Newsnight with Will McAvoy like with that and then deliver some monologue or something. But like he's just coming back from, from commercial. And nothing's happening. And it's right at the end. And yeah. he's just, well, it's just us now. Here's the the unedited tape. And it's it's very weird to me that the show, rightly, 
shows the entire team being so obsessed with time because they have whatever the let's say the show's an hour they have the hour to do the show and so it's like we need 30 seconds back we need 60 seconds back we're gonna do this here's our break. but then i can just take a really long time say something that's not meant to be said at all and then finally introduce this four and a half uninterruptible clip we're gonna have to run four and a half straight minutes like there's a finite amount of time left i don't know it just seemed dumb oh well but i i, I don't I, I liked this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we we didn't do our typical thing where like when one of us uh introduces the show and the other person uh accosts them with a quick uh thing of like what what um what'd you think i did enjoy this show i there were things i didn't you know we talked about oh that's dumb this is dumb and then there's the whole punching in the face thing and definitely some low points but uh there are some great high points of this and i really enjoyed having the whole thing set in the newsroom yeah Hey, great name for a show. Um, mm. It there was some energy to this one that some of the other ones have lacked, and yeah, more, more of these. I'm in. I agree, and it just it felt more not action packed by any stretch, but it felt more um, that the the believability of the tension set up makes more sense to me when it's like within the confines of we're on the air right now. Um, I like that, like because they. They can't just, there's a finite amount of time you can babble or have a fight with your coworkers or have a fight with your romantic partner who's also your coworker or whatever, because you're also on TV. Like you're also doing a show and I, I like that. It worked. I'm with you. I'm basically agreeing with you, but slowly. Okay. Well, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, that's of course it for uh, this Sorkin. All that's left for us to say is you should become a member of The Incomparable. If you haven't yet, go to theincomparable.com slash members. You can support this show. You can support other shows. If you're already a member of The Incomparable, feel free to go and make sure you're allocating some of your hard-earned dollars to us so that we can also hardly earn your dollars. <laughs> and folks, if if that's uh, too much of a stretch or, you know, in the holiday season, you know, your your wallet's feeling a little lighter than usual, the, the least you could do is still just pop over to iTunes or podcast app or whatever and and give us a favorable review. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Be very kind. And uh, tell a friend who likes Aaron Sorkin or who doesn't because I think we appeal to both sets of people. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, one other thing you can do is uh, just keep Sorkin in it. Excellent advice. (laughs) 